Welcome to Rust Belt Love, conversations about love, relationships, and dating for those over 50. I'm Kathy. And I'm Samantha. We're two single women living in the Rust Belt, navigating this topic together. Okay. Hi, welcome back to Rust Belt Love. How are you, Samantha? Good. I'm excited to hear how the coffee date went, not to be confused with the coffee meetup. Oh, I did. Oh, right. It was fine. It was good. Uh, good. I don't know. Fine. I think fine is better. Okay. And it there's went. not going to be. I went. Yes, I went. Okay. I was not inspired. So yeah. I don't think there's yeah. anything to apologize for. Right. It's we're, we're, we're doing it. We're putting ourselves out there, all of us. And we're, we're just trying, right. Yeah. Being open to love. Yeah. So I am really excited today to introduce my friend, my one and only friend who has actually tried to set me up on a blind date, (laughs) Laura, who's really kind of, uh, I know, isn't that funny, Laura? You are the only person who set me up on a blind date, who introduced me to attachment theory, which I had studied in school. I think we all know early attachment styles um, that date back. But so I was really interested in this, this book and really kind of looking at my own attachment style. So Laura is going to talk to us about kind of give us some overview and then talk about how she uses this knowledge within her own relationship. But I wanted to just really- Samantha, can I interrupt? What book are you talking about? So she actually referred for me to uh, read this attached, uh, Laura, how do you pronounce the author's name? I'm, I'm gonna... I have no idea. I have uh, it right here. It looks Amir like Amir, Amir Levine, MD, yeah. and Rachel Heller, MA, Attached, yeah. the new science of adult attachment and how it but can really help you find and keep focus love. I a lot because I worry that people are going to then start to oh. classify. Yeah. So with that, I wanted to introduce Laura. Um, but also what about Kathy, the whole Buddhism and attachments? Well, I felt like in that conversation with Miles a couple of weeks ago, we got kind of tangled up in the whole sort of idea of attachment in terms of, I think you were talking about um, your example that you used was sort of the way we, you know, the things that attach us to another person and sort of the unattaching of those things, like in a relationship, if a relationship were to come to an end and you have to unattach in terms of material things, house, car, et cetera, right? Is that what, that's what you were talking about? And when we're talking about attachment theory and attachment styles, Today, we'll talk about that. And I was trying to talk about, and not very well on my part, the Buddhist concept of non-attachment ultimately will flow very well into our conversation with Laura, because the way they see it, attachment is a fundamental human experience, like an emotional connection, a bond that one would develop with another person, objects, ideas, thoughts, etc. So in Buddhism, attachment means clinging or grasping. It's our tendency to cling to people or ideas in the mistaken belief that they will bring us lasting happiness and fulfillment. And ultimately, our attachment arises from our desire to feel secure, to feel comfortable, to feel in control of our lives. And it can ultimately manifest in clinging or craving or obsession. And those are strong words. You know, they bring images to mind of clinging and obsession, et cetera. But if we can bring it down to something that I think we can all relate to it's sort of we believe or we we hope that a relationship or a certain person will bring us happiness or will make us feel happier or more secure so these are things that we think we're going to get out of a relationship but we know 
that nothing is permanent. People change, things come to an end. And so these things that you think you can get out of relationship, these are people, people think that a relationship is going to make them happier, right? Or you will have some security, or you will have a partner or someone to hang out with, but ultimately nothing is permanent. Everything changes. And this is, this is the Buddhist philosophy. This is what we're talking about here. And so ultimately the belief that something or someone is going to bring you happiness will only lead to unhappiness because no one else can make you happy. Yeah. Again, yeah. once again, not like, saying very articulately. Like some of it is right. like, yeah, but being able to make yourself happy. A healthy relationship would allow you to have your own autonomy and your own relationship outside of your, your own experience outside of your relationship and allowing yourself and your partner and your relationship to grow, to change. And that's what the non-attachment is about. Curious, Laura, do you think secure attachment is the ultimate goal? Or do you think it's more about understanding your own attachment style, right? Like you're you're striving for it, but you might not get to be a secure attacher, right? But you're understanding how your anxious attachment is brought about by an avoidant attacher, no? I, I think to assume that a person would go from one style to another is probably false, correct? Yeah. To Kathy's point, however, an enlightened anxious or an enlightened avoidant who is not only aware of themselves, but also aware of their partners can find security through deeper understanding and acceptance. How would you, Laura, how would you describe the attachment theories, the different different styles, excuse me. So there's the secure one, which is neither anxious nor avoidant, but is by nature aware of boundaries, aware of very, very emotional intelligent, probably able to regulate self and their emotions very well. I'll call it calm to use the word secure again and just steady. Steady Eddie. Then you have the anxious who is, well, (laughs) to the word anxious, like most likely not as emotionally intelligent and able to, to regulate themselves, but really looking for external validation and finding that happiness in others, as Kathy was just describing what the Buddhist definition of attachment is compared to the avoidant, also not so emotionally intelligent, definitely not aware of the actions that they take based on their emotions and patterns of behavior that are destructive to relationships. So in my interpretation of the book, the avoidance are the ones that are actively doing things to break trust, to lose connection, um, things like that. Whereas the anxious ones are coming to the trough to feed as opposed to being able to self-satisfy and the secure ones just sort of exist. And then there's the sort of fourth dimension that the book talks about a little bit, which is the anxious avoidant. So you've got a person who's super conflicted, potentially a lot of things that maybe they could work on to show up as a better human being for a relationship. I love that like non-judgmental way of 
of, of, yeah, of saying that. Yeah. When I think of anxious, the, the anxious attacher, I also think of someone who's like really an emotion mind a lot of times. What does that mean to you? So just really thinking from emotions, right? This kind of um, high expressed emotions, right? Um, lot thinking errors, like I, I, you know, I'll I'll never find anyone else. Just you know, from a DBT lens, right? I think about those kind of people with like a lot of emotions. Whereas an avoidant is more of someone that really doesn't um, have emotional reactions. Well, yeah, they don't emote externally but they act yes yeah they're just like check later i'll be over here yeah yeah and i think the reason why i appreciated you giving me this book right is it kind of forced me to look at my own avoidant attachment style is that why you gave it to me no well maybe well first of all i'll read something and like connect with it and sort of want to understand it and apply it in a sort of non-scientific way. And so I like to try out these, you know, these theories and see how it resonates with other people. And when I read that book, I started, you know, by nature talking about it to my friends and it resonated, like my description of it resonated with them. And I don't know, I probably have had that book read. I I'm going to say more than 10 times since I read it, you know, from friends who like really connected with the idea. I, I just think it's a valuable tool. It's definitely not something that I'd want per- somebody to like walk around and be like, oh, I'm anxious, therefore I'm flawed or oh, I'm avoidant. No, it's not the point. Yeah. The point is just to yeah. bring awareness and to give context and examples. Like the thing I love about the book, it has like this the, the quiz. And then it also has like that whole section where it's like, if you're this and you're in a relationship with that, this is what you might experience. Here's how you'll probably react. So what if you tried something else and it'll give you the something else, right? And it, or it's like, you do these things and then your person's going to react that way. Then you're going to react this way. And it like, it literally, it has matrixes and tables to like work you through it. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Yeah, it's like a recipe. Like said, it's a recipe. I, I really felt like they broke it down in a very easily readable manner. So I'm curious, where do you see yourself, Laura? What kind of attachment style? So I think by nature, I'm anxious. I know for sure in my historical, you know, decades ago, would have benefited from reading that book and didn't. And so I formed some unhealthy attachments with people that I probably wouldn't have otherwise, but whatever it, you know, live and learn. But I think now where I am today, I don't show up that way. It might be my nature, but it's not my behavior today because I have learned and I have grown and adjusted. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how have you grown and adjusted and learned besides reading this book? Well, the book didn't do anything. The book just put words to it, but I mean, not related so much to the book because a book probably came later in my journey, but I've been to a lot of therapy. So I've had a lot of opportunities to explore my past, my present, my super past, and how it affects the way I think and do and given me different focus on how to make decisions. And the root maybe of why you are an anxious attacher. So your partner now, do you have an understanding of where he falls in this, on this continuum of? Yeah, that's what I was curious. Where do you see him? 
It's a great oh, one. yeah, he's he's like <laughs> anxious avoidant. Oh, he's the one of the four, the very small, the very small. No wonder you remembered that one. Cause I'm always like, I really kind of remember those three. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Where yeah. do you see yourself, Kathy? Oh, I took the quiz today, as a matter of fact. And it, uh, you know, I mean, who knows, right? Because yes. this is my impression of myself. It turned out that I scored the highest on the middle, the middle one secure, but then also pretty equally both of the other ones. You know, so that was not too far off, which I found pretty, pretty shocking. And I'm like, this probably isn't right. Laura, do you want to tell her what happened to me when I took it? No, <laughs> you came know? back and you told me you were secure. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yes. Totally. And, and <laughs> know, you probably are a secure attacher. I don't think I am. Well, I'm a, I think I'm avoidant, but I think that you what? hit on part of the problem, right? Like you're taking right. this test. Right. It's, it's kind of like, you, you know, and, and so it was just so funny that the next week I was like, oh yeah, I'm just, and Laura yeah. was like, right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sure. I, I mean, I think mine's, I scored higher on anxious than I anticipated I would. So oh. that I found interesting. That was probably my biggest takeaway today huh. was that. Yeah. I really like what you're saying, Laura, like it's, it's a tool to begin to figure it out and then to, you know, yeah. just go with that. So how do you and your partner work it out if you're an anxious and he's an anxious avoider? Can you just give me an example of how this plays out in your relationship? I'll tell you one of the, the things I have once after I read that book, I definitely started um, reacting to him or conversely said not reacting. If he yeah. would do something and it was very clear what was happening, I would just choose not to respond, not yeah. to act, not to react. And me stopping my reaction yeah. Yeah. and understanding it's not me, it's him was so powerful because it's in a way, it's a, a way to diffuse it. He's still going to have his thing and do his yeah. thing, but I don't have to react to it. Right. right. And the yeah. fact that I don't react to it doesn't further trigger the situation. Yeah. And so it can diffuse itself. And when did we read that book in the depth of COVID? Like we would be three years ago, right? So three years have gone by and he still has his moments, many of the times triggered by something I've done, but I just choose not to engage. And then within what used to be like, multiple rounds around the merry-go-round it's like one or two he will also diffuse himself and he has the time and space then to um reflect and see what's happening and and stop whatever was going on so he's in therapy you're in therapy and now working on this yeah. together yeah so that now and sure i will say also the book yeah. help lead him there mm -hmm. he was not necessarily interested in reading it i wound up literally reading out <laughs> loud the chapter of avoidant to him. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get to the anxious. I couldn't get to the anxious avoidant, but I didn't need to. I think yeah. the points were made and he saw himself in it and then found his way. What what yeah. I really like about that is it's very similar to like behaviorism, right? So your ability to see how you are re reinforcing the the anxious avoidance, right? Because they're looking for, for this. And so by not engaging, you were extinguishing the behavior. Mm -hmm. 
right? Yes. Which, I, which I find to be, you know, just interesting. Whereas I think when you were in love, right? Love is an emotion mind. And so we're in emotions. And so it's really easy to get engaged with the person and get on that merry-go-round and get in that mm-hmm. kind of secular argument. Whereas with your approach, because you know, he's looking for these things, right? He's creating this to just not engage, um, I, I think is really helpful. And I, but I also think it can be hard to do. And it's nice to hear that after years, he's catching it, right? Because that's the ultimate, that's the piece that I'm taking away or that I really appreciate in this conversation, right? That ultimately you could say, you could take the quiz and be like, oh, I'm an anxious attacher, or I'm a secure attacher, or I'm avoiding attacher. But the key is to be able to catch yourself when you're acting on these urges to either push uh-huh. people away or to over what did you say feed from the trough <laughs> I was really interested in that <laughs> well it's not an excuse theory. it's not an excuse and hopefully it will help people develop a better sense of self-awareness if they are an anxious or a or a, an avoidant attacher as to what they're what that's bringing to the relationship uh-huh. yeah yeah. But to be like, well, I'm anxious. So that's why this is how it's going to be. It's not okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Thank you. Because yeah. I do think, Kathy, some people are are like that. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You have yeah. to accept yeah. me. This is who mm-hmm. I am. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or just, yeah. you know, but I really like that idea of trying to grow as, as a couple mm-hmm. together. Um, any other examples, Laura, of how like you prevent, like how this knowledge has improved your relationship? Sure. I mean, I could give more examples of how the same sort of story of what I just said before, which is I'm going to better recognize a behavior that he's doing. And I do, I use the classifications of the anxious side or the avoidance side of the equation and put it in there and then choose my reaction. Right. And the book absolutely didn't teach me how to choose my reaction. That was therapy, but the book gives me context for like, and then it, it, okay, by the way, it gives you examples. So then I'm like, oh yeah, I I read that example. I'm going to try that. Right. Like, but I want to tell you when I've brought up the book topic, right. Like to other people. And one of the factoids in the book is that like the avoidant population is the majority of the dating pool after like 30. I don't remember what AJ said, but here's the deal. Secure people are like some percentage and they will pair up with secure people or avoidant people, or I mean, excuse me, anxious people. So secure people are with the secure people or the secure people are with the anxious people and they'll all be happy and off and for whatever. <laughs> and then the avoidant people are in the pool. And then the avoidance may have married an anxious. That's a hundred percent like doomed to fail if you can't figure this out. And then the avoidance might have wound up with a secure and over the time, the avoidance probably will exit. Is This is my remembering of what the book said. I could be slightly off, but some generality there. So that if you find yourself in the, let's just call it over 30, but probably over 40, over whatever other ages you want to put in there, in the pool, for whatever reason, you are more than likely going to meet and avoid it. Knowing how the avoidance show up and what that means, I think is so helpful to determining whether or not you're going to engage in this dating relationship. They're not terrible people. They just have certain things about them that they are going to naturally react this way, or they just 
might need a little bit more space in certain ways that they like, there's one example in the book, the one avoidant wife just had to go do the laundry out of the house every Sunday and it freaking drove her husband crazy. What she just needed that they might be more, you know, introverted or this, who knows, whatever. She just needed to go to the laundry somewhere else. Right. So that's the person that doesn't automatically text you back right away. Like the person that texts you back is the anxious one. Yeah. Right. The avoidant is, you know, going to probably come on hot and heavy and then back off three weeks yeah. later. Yeah. I think that, thank you. Cause and, that's and so really important. That's the thing. It's like to, to be able to see it happening again, choose your reaction. It's yeah. not that this person is bad because they were hot and heavy with you for three weeks. And now they're going to go like clean their closet. You're assuming cause you're anxious that they you know, or off with their ex-girlfriend, they might not be. I really appreciate you bringing that up, Laura, because that's what I have really experienced, right? And that the secure attachers get taken off those apps right away, right? And so it leaves a lot of anxious or avoidant. And I really like what you're saying, because I do think these avoidant people come on very, you know, normally and aren't really engaged. But then when they get close, it's it's like, it's too much, right? And then they have to pull away. And then when they pull away, it leads to all these cognitive distortions, like what you're saying oh they're with their ex-girlfriend or oh they don't like me or oh they're not interested and yeah it's kind of this this vicious cycle and it was interesting I do remember what you're talking about because I think this relates to what you were saying Kathy as you get older the dating pool right and it was interesting I remember in that book hearing that and I was like oh yeah this is this is a problem right because the older you get it's filled more with these anxious attachers and not these secure attachers Avoid it. She was saying avoid it. Yeah. Yeah. I think think they're also these anxious attachers. Well, the avoidance pull anxious out of anyone. The way they (laughs) will do their thing. (laughs) Right. They pull the anxious reaction, probably even from the anxious avoidant. Yeah. I was feel like I was in a relationship with an anxious attacher and I didn't know what I was dealing with in reading this book, like recognizing some of that and me feeling like it was being controlling and all kinds of other kinds of things that I didn't realize was anxiety, you know, anxious behavior. So that's another reason why, even if you're not in a relationship to maybe pick this up or pick up something Mm -hmm. around this to understand that, see what you're dealing with, because, you know, you can find yourself in love with someone who is, is one or the other of these and not really know how to relate to them or have the tools to do that. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Kathy, because I think, again, people personalize it, right? It becomes, it's me. What was I doing? Why did I get them to pull away? Why are (laughs) they not texting or responding? It was interesting to see this attachment theory that we normally apply to children applied to adults and dating. And I, I think it added clarification for me as well, like how I present in relationship. Cause I, I think I, I could be hard to be in relationship with. Oh, it says that avoidant people and Samantha is this, this is just on the back of the book. Okay. It says avoidant people equate intimacy with a loss of independence and try to minimize closeness. Do you feel that's you? I don't know that that's you. And I don't know that that's me. That's why I, I don't know if, know if I relate to that. I, and thank you. Cause I, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that. Right. Cause I, I think it's both and like that you were talking yeah. about, I can be a secure attacher, but I really like what Laura was saying that 
an avoidance will bring out the worst in anybody <laughs> um, and I, or an anxious attacher. Um, and that reminds me, Laura, I totally forgot about this. I was reading, after I read this book, I was in relationship with someone and I like gave them this book and I was like, I can't, this isn't going to work. And I, I gave them this book because I do think, I, I agree with you. I want, I, I really like what Laura was saying. My goal is to try and be a secure attacher, but I do think I have some avoidance. Why, why are you shaking your head, Laura? Go ahead. Be, I can take the feedback. Give it to me. No, I mean, I just, the details or the examples of what I would have pulled forward three years ago when we were talking about this to, to give you the example um, are not coming to me right now, but I definitely, my memory of the diagnosis and my knowledge of you just has me slotting you somewhere on the plus one degree of <laughs> one to the other towards avoidance. <laughs> Yeah. And again, I think it has to do with my, my own history, right? Like uh, I've had to be independent for a very long time in my own Mm. mind, right? I don't really have to be independent, but, but so I think that that's this piece. And again, for me, it's about what I appreciated in this conversation tonight is just knowing this about yourself and then trying to be better about it. Yeah. And and, in relation with anyone. Yeah, it doesn't need to be a partner. It could be anybody who you know you're close with or working with or whatever. About how you interact with one another. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you think that these attachment styles apply to personal relationships, or do they mostly present in like intimate relationships? I'll say that yes, I do think they can, and maybe. And again, I'm not a trained anything in that realm of psychology, sociology, psychiatry, none of that, none of the training. Just, You're not going to be <laughs> prescribing us any medication. That's a bummer. Just, just, a, just a client. But I'll say in a girlfriend relationship, right? Like with my, my yeah. trusted closest girlfriends, if get canceled on at the last minute or whatever, there's always that, you know, like my first instinct is what did I do? Like what, well, my offer wasn't good enough. My, this wasn't, you know, like why, 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 you know, but then it's just like, there's there's something going on in there. And it's just like that. And again, that comes out of therapy. It's like, just letting go and realizing it's hello world is not about you. Like nobody really cares. Yeah. (laughs) People care. It's just, it's not all about us. Right. (laughs) And you know, can't control anything. Right. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. I, I was just yeah. asking, cause I, I do think like love is more of like emotions, right? Whereas friends, I think we tend to be more for, you know, we're not in such an emotion all the time, but yeah, it's interesting. Maybe that could be their second book attachment theory as it relates to friends and coworkers. They yeah. do so they do specify that this is about romantic. This book is yeah. about romantic relationships and yeah. Yeah. So how you, you, you viewed yourself, Kathy, as secure, but ending toward anxious and avoidant. I downright owned my avoidance. I'm like, I say, (laughs) you think I'm not, you think I'm not owning my avoidance? No, 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 I'm I'm not at all. I just say, cause I really like what Laura says. I say Mm -hmm. I'm an avoidant in recovery. Like I'm really just trying to be more mindful of it (laughs) Um, and working on being a secure attacher. And what were you, Laura? I'm on the spectrum of anxious. Yep, no, no question about it. But I think showing up a lot less anxious. That's great. Congratulations. Yeah. How about you, Sam? 
I'm I'm gonna keep trying. I have my yeah. date on Thursday. I like I said, I'm trying to be an avoidant in recovery. <laughs> I strive to be a secure attacher or to to just keep showing up, right? And I really like what you're saying, Laura, like just trying to learn. Well, I think whatever, yeah, whatever that avoidant part of you is, because I don't think it's all of those. I think you're probably not really strongly. I think you're probably, maybe you're more avoidant than anything else, but just understanding what those, those things are in you. Yeah. Do you want the quiz again before you go on your date? No, I'm good. I know how to fake it. I know how, I know how to make myself a secure attacher. Um, hey, Kathy, yeah. didn't you just read it? Wasn't there a part of the book where it was like when you're first meeting somebody here, like questions that you can ask them? Or do I, do you think I found oh, that like, on Facebook oh, somewhere no. else? Maybe I didn't get much past the two quizzes of me and oh, my fictional okay. other person. Or well, maybe using the quizzes <laughs> as <laughs> questioning I mean, you don't want to like come on too strong, Sam, but you could be like, hey, you know, tell me a time when you were canceled on by a person. How did you react? Tell me a time when you felt like it was getting too serious, too fast. What did you do? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Laura, you know, I already have trouble making small talk. So don't put this in my head because I will be doing these questions and the guy will be like 10 minutes into the date and he'll be like, check, check. It's time to go. That's right. She's a therapist. <laughs> their their avoidant tendency will come out. I do want to say this about this date because I just have to say I have become so I'm not going to say avoidant. I've just become so nonchalant about this dating. So I'm going to this event with some friends. And I said, why don't you just meet me at this event <laughs> with these friends? And I think the guy was like, what? I, what What are you asking me to? And I said, oh, well, I'm just inviting you to this live music thing with the, and he's like, I don't think that's a great first date. I think maybe one-on-one would be better. And so I actually have to like, oh, and I appreciated him confronting my, like, I don't know if it's avoidance or if it was just my, like, you know, it's summer, there's lots going on. I don't know if I want to give you like a whole night of my time. But so he confronted me on it and picked a place and picked a date and picked a time. And so I was like, perfect. Oh, I like it. Yeah, yeah. I do too. Good. I, yeah. Check plus. So I don't do, do I have to overwhelm him with these survey questions? No, just one. Be how about one? Yeah. Okay. We'll see how it goes. I'll keep you both. Maybe you could say, how did it make you feel when I proposed us going to that? Oh, that's a good, yeah. Now, wouldn't it be funny if you were like, well, let me tell you, I read the book attached and I feel like you're a bit of an avoider. Oh, as always, it's Samantha doing some emotional exposure, trying to be better. Isn't that no. what it's all about? We're all about that. So I'll keep yes. you posted on how it goes. Thank you Laura, so much, Laura. Thank you. Yes. Nice to see you. Thank you, ladies. It was lovely to see you both. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Have Absolutely. Fun. All right. Until the next time. Thank you for listening to Rust Belt Love. For now, you can find us on Instagram at rblovepod. That's one word, R-B-L-O-V-E-P-O-D. And our DMs are open. So let us know what you think and what else you want to cover in these conversations. And until the next time, have fun and stay open to love.